The stage is dark, but the conversation is just beginning. Welcome back to the Utah Symphony Utah Opera Ghost Light Podcast, a behind-the-curtain look into the world of classical music and the artists who make it. I'm Carol Anderson. And I'm Jeff Counts. Since his debut with the New York Philharmonic, our special guest Pablo Sainz Viegas has played in more than 40 countries and is now invited to play in virtually all of the top orchestral cities around the world. He's been named by many as the successor to Andres Segovia and is now a superstar in his own right. Welcome to the Ghost Light Podcast, Pablo. Thank you very much. Happy to be here, Jeff. It's so great to have you back in Utah and to do another project with the Utah Symphony. This one a little bit different than uh, performing the Concierto last time. Uh, but I am really enjoying exploring your new album that was just released, The Soul of Spanish Guitar. Now, you recorded that during this pandemic. How was that experience? Well, it's been a, it's been a strange year for everyone, right? It's been a challenging year, and we're still going through through challenging times, and uh, and we are we are winning, and that's the good news. And um, yeah, during the pandemic, uh, all concerts were 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 cancelled from March to September. So uh, it was fantastic that not only me but so many musicians uh, found ways to continue the, delivering music to to their fans. And social media has been a great tool to, to do that. And not only for the community, but also for the, for the musicians. I mean, we felt that we were not alone. We were, you know, our fans uh, were there uh, for us and, uh, and we were able to still fulfill our purpose to share music with people because in the end, music belongs to the people. Music belongs to the community and we are here for them. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I did all this, uh, um, uh, online concerts and also uh, it was time to, to record an album so I thought well what a, what a, the best time to record an album uh, and to go into the studio uh, with you know the masks and everything and uh, and uh, the good the good news of wearing a mask during a recording is that you know my breathing while I was <laughs> playing it was already you know blocked so <laughs> Something that you know, all music producers are always dealing with is like, oh, can you can you play, but but don't breathe. It's like, how can I, how can I breathe? Breathe, you know. It's and and you know that was solved. So that's the the good news. But anyway, it was a it was a beautiful process. Uh, it was a, a wonderful project, and um, I felt uh, all the support from my team. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited that you know this uh, new baby, <laughs> the soul of Spanish guitar. Uh, came out of uh, these challenging times. It's a really great mix of uh, popular tunes, but also some things that people will be a little bit less familiar with. So I look forward to getting to hear more of that. Yeah, the, 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 the solo of Spanish guitar in the end is, is, is it is the voice of, the, of, of Spain, a, a country that um, celebrates the multiculturality, its history, and through its history, um, has developed uh, an amazing, uh, an amazing pieces of music written for the guitar. So in this album, um, I made a collection of some of my favorite pieces uh, of the Spanish repertoire. Pieces that, uh, when since I was a kid, I, I dreamed of playing one day. And uh, those are the pieces that you know are uh, in the horizon when you are a kid. And little by little, you are getting closer to those pieces, and then you started playing them, and then that fulfills such a joy uh, of uh, accomplishment 
And uh, some of these pieces uh, have accompanied me uh, for many years. I've played them in many concert stages around the world. And, uh, and others were new pieces that I always wanted to, to play, but I never had the chance to. So um, yeah, it's a very personal journey. It's, uh, it's uh, the, the, an expression of my country, an expression of my uh, culture. And, and the very essence of the Spanish guitar, which, you know, is one of the few instruments that is very much linked to a country and a culture, my country and me being from Spain, it, it made perfect sense, right? So uh, it's a way of sharing a little bit of who I am and, uh, and uh, what uh, the guitar means to me. So has that, uh, um, has, uh, the, the album has some uh, tracks, some, some, music uh, that comes from the popular tradition, some others from the flamenco tradition, from the classical tradition, and all that is a wonderful mix uh, where the guitar feels very comfortable because in the end, the guitar has always been uh, in the streets and in the court from the beginning in the 16th century. The, the, the troubadours played the lute in the streets, singing songs and love songs uh, uh, and serenades, but also was in the, in the court playing a counterpoint. So that duality, that space of uh, being in two places at the same time is where the guitar feels most comfortable. So uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's why I believe the, the guitar is uh, the instrument of the people, is the most democratic instrument and one of the uh, instruments that is closest to, the, to people's hearts. Can we talk a little bit about how the guitar fits into American culture? Because I think for Americans, it's a little bit different. Fans of the Ghostlight podcast, many of whom are fans of yours, of course, know that the guitar has a very classical uh, role to play in, in, in modern contemporary music and also music history. But in the United States, it's probably known most as a popular instrument. And I would dare say an amateur instrument. I mean, we can all close our eyes and imagine a campfire and the worst guy at the campfire is usually the one with the guitar. So how does American guitar culture speak to you and where does it fit in for us? Well, that's, that's the amazing thing, right, right on. Um, because the guitar being one of the few instruments that is very much linked to a country and a culture, my country, Spain, when the guitar arrived to the Americas in the 17th century, it became very quickly to be the instrument to transmit the different musical identities of each region. In Argentina, the tango has a guitar, the bossa nova and samba in Brazil has a guitar, the joropos, mariachis, but then it crosses borders and, and it goes to the States. And then, you know, the blues, the jazz, the bluegrass have a guitar. So the guitar is an expression of diversity. It's an expression of embracing that diversity and expressing it in so many different rich ways. And that's the value of the guitar. That's why it's the instrument of the, the people, because there are so many genre that fit on the guitar. The guitar is so versatile. It adapts to anything. It adapts to a campfire. It adapts to, to a, a, a carnival hall. It adapts to, you know, some caves in Granada playing flamenco music. And, it, it, and, and that's the value of it. You know, there are so many ways of playing the guitar from three simple chords and just already being the king of that campfire, singing <laughs> songs. And, and, but also, you know, going into the sophistication of the Spanish classical guitar. And in between, there are so many, so many ways of playing the guitar. That's why I believe that the guitar belongs to the Americas, belongs to the world as much as to Spain. That's its value. And uh, it is my purpose to, to bring the guitar back to people and to celebrate that, to celebrate humanity. Because in the end, 
um, I celebrate the expressions of life that unifies human condition, that make us all one. And music is one of them. Music makes all of us being united for that moment. It brings us, it invites us to a very special, profound, emotional place that we all have, that we all feel. It doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter your country, uh, your, your, your background, your, uh, your economic status, it doesn't matter. It's telling you a story. And in the end, it comes from the same story, but there is a transmutation in the air. And in the end, it becomes your personal story. And that's the value of music that in the end is something that you share with many people in a concert hall or through uh, social media nowadays. And at the same time, every and each of the listeners are receiving their message, their story, their memories, their imagination, their own, their own story. Pablo, I imagine a lot of the performances you do with orchestras in the United States are on programs that the producers are hopeful will be sellouts because when you're hired to play Rodrigo Aranjuez, especially that's designed to fill the hall and often attract people who are new to a symphony orchestra. Many of those folks, it's their first, second visit, or at least very early in their experience as a listener. Do you like that part of your career? Does that mean something to you? I love that. I love that, Jeff. That's part of my purpose to bring and invite new audiences to classical music to discover the, the magic of classical music, what classical music can make in their lives. And the guitar is the perfect bridge to, 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 uh, to invite uh, new audiences. And uh, uh, I love when I see uh, you know, kids with, with their heavy metal t-shirts because they play electric guitar and somehow they feel connected with the six strings that I'm playing. And they come to the concert and, 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 and you take them by surprise because you know they were not ready to 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 play to to hear the guitar in the way they experience it and that's most often uh, the comment i receive is like i didn't know the guitar could do those things and uh, and yeah and that's a great way to invite uh, new audiences and uh, and amateur guitarists and uh, guitarists that play in a band in a in a pop band in a rock band uh, and um, yeah, the guitar in the end is the instrument of, of the people in, in, the, in, in its very essence. And, and, and I also love uh, seeing uh, kids in my concerts because in the end, music is for everyone, not only for, for people that have all their lives listened to classical music, which also it is for them. But, you know, so exciting to, to invite new audiences, kids. And, uh, and uh, in my experience, um, when, when kids come to the concerts and I invite families to, to come with their kids, you know, they, they are so well behaved. They know that is something special and they know that what they're experiencing is something that, that makes them be very, very connected to, the, to, to music. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, the guitar is the perfect instrument uh, for that. We have had a number of violinists on the show as guests, and they uh, I'm kind of obsessed with the relationship that people have with their actual instrument. Is it the same with the guitar? Is your guitar something with history that you feel like it's the important entity in your life? I don't know, the actual instrument. Well, uh, yes. I mean, um, I mean, and we could go so deep and almost philosophical in what's the meaning of the instrument for musicians. Uh, in the end, to me, the, the instrument is a, 
it's a mirror of myself. It is uh, on one hand an extension of my emotions, an extension of my body. It's an entity that is very much linked to who I am. And it, it becomes alive when I'm alive. It becomes happy when I'm happy. It becomes sad when I'm sad. It reacts so transparently. It's like a, a, a transmutation of my emotions into a different, uh, into a different realm of music. And that's the power of it. And um, to me, the instrument, um, uh, yeah, it's, 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 as I said before, it's, it's a mirror where, where to look at myself. And in that mirror, I've seen uh, the best of myself and I've seen also my fears. And, and through my instrument, through music, I've had the opportunity to grow so much. So my instrument is, um, I, um, um, it's, it's from Germany, actually. Uh, Matthias Daman is the guitar maker, and uh, it's quite new. It's from 2007, and uh, usually guitars don't last that long as violins do, because uh, the strings of the guitar are attached to the bridge, which is glued to the soundboard of the instrument. That tension is pulling the soundboard through years and years and years is uh, probably is like a, a 30 or 40 pounds of weight and tension. So after 50, 100 years, the guitar, the soundboard is not balanced anymore. And the sound of the instrument uh, starts to, to uh, impoverish uh, or, or, you know, to, to, to uh, decline. So uh, whereas the, instead, the violins, you know, are built in such a way that the whole body of the instrument doesn't suffer the tension of the strings. That's why, you know, a great instrument from the 18th century can last and, and still sound amazing. So um, that doesn't, you know, say, that doesn't mean that the guitar or the violin is better or worse. It's just no, a no. different instrument. And uh, each instrument is wonderful in its, in its, in its own essence, you know? And, uh, and yeah, I, I love my instrument. I love my guitar and it is a, it is a way to, to express my voice through music. It sounds like the guitar is different from the violin and that violins are designed to last centuries and in fact improve, but guitars may be more like decades. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about, a little bit about what you play repertoire, because I find that to be another interesting comparison to the violin and also to the piano. The concerto repertoire for orchestra is obviously not nearly as robust for you as it is for those uh, two instruments. You probably play the same three or four pieces every year frequently, and that's just part of the life of a guitarist. But I suspect that there's a big part of your performing life is transcriptions and also commissioning. Talk about the work you've done and are doing and will do to bring new works for your instrument into the world. Yeah, it is true that uh, uh, if we make a comparison of the amount of works that uh, classical music has uh, composed for the violin or the piano um, in comparison with the guitar, it's, 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 uh, we have a less amount of, of concerti or, or repertoire. But still, we have a very, very beautiful, decent number of, uh, of guitar concerti written for guitar and orchestra. And, uh, and, and most people and most presenters only knew like one or two, Aranjuez and Fantasia for un Gentilhombre, but there are so many. And, and you know, I have in repertoire 
more than 12 guitar concerti that uh, I've worked in my in my life and uh, and I've enjoyed and that's my commitment to continue expanding the repertoire. Uh, I've been doing it in the last few years. Uh, for example, uh, John Williams, uh, Academy um, uh, film composer, um, uh, composed rounds. Uh, that was his first solo guitar piece and I had the privilege to, to do the premiere and to record it as well. Uh, but also many other uh, musicians uh, and composers from, from Spain, Tomas Marco, David del Puerto, Jesus Torres, Sergio Assad. And, uh, and that's part of my purpose as well. I think it's a responsibility uh, as a musician of the 21st century to continue supporting um, composers and, uh, and to be committed to, to expand and to keep growing the repertoire uh, for the guitar. Um, it is, a, of course, it is something that requires um, a, like a synergy of finding the funds and uh, creating a synergy with presenters. So the whole ecosystem uh, is uh, well designed for a composer to premiere its, its work. So it's not about just composing, but you know, composers, I respect them so much and, and what they do. And, and they are um, often, you know, not recognized on the stage because, you know, we take all the credit as performers, but you know, they've been spending so, so many years of their lives improving their technique, improving uh, their mastery in composing and back in their houses, in the rooms, uh, developing and, 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 and transforming that, you know, creation, that abstract into concrete, into, into the score, which is concrete. And then my, 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 my task and as a musician is to, to, to bring back to the abstract what is concrete, what is on the score, liberating music from, you know, the concrete of the, of the pentagram and the notes and all that and building it up as a three-dimensional three uh, sculpture, that space of creation where the composer found the inspiration. We've had so many composers on the show and I, I don't think people realize just how much those folks depend on artists to champion their work for them. They depend on conductors, they depend on people like you, Pablo, and many of the pieces you've brought to life may not have happened without you. And it's no comment about the quality of the composers, but it's a fact in our business these days. Do you take that part of this, the ambassadorship for composition? Do you take that seriously? Is that something that brings you a lot of pride? Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. And I would, I would love to have more leverage. Uh, so I'm able to, to create more of these projects and be more involved. The more leverage uh, I'll get, uh, the more, the easier will be for composers and symphonies and to create those synergies I was talking before. Because in the end, uh, it's not just about a new composition for the guitar, but it's about bringing uh, leverage to that piece, bringing leverage to that composer. And, and for that, um, I need also that ecosystem from the presenters, from a symphony, uh, from you know, uh, a, a sponsor that will be able to, to make that uh, work uh, funded. So I'm, I, yeah, that, that brings me a lot of joy, pride, and I uh, hope to have the opportunity to do it even more. We've talked to you a lot about your performing, but you're also one of the first musicians I may have noticed who had a mission statement on his or her website. And I saw that activism is incredibly important to you. Did you grow up in a family where activism was 
a, a tenet of your family life. How did you become such an activist? Yes and no. Um, my parents were uh, teachers. They are retired now, and uh, they uh, gave me the most precious uh, gift of all, which is their values. And uh, their values are based on on, on um, generosity, multiculturality, tolerance, and uh, making a better world if you can around you. I mean, you don't need to to change. Changing the world is not, you know, uh, going to Africa and 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 creating a, a NGO. Also, I mean, that's also. But you don't need to do something uh, that big to change the world. I mean, you can change the world around your community. So for me. Um, the first seeds about that uh, commitment uh, with uh, with uh, society was when I was uh, seven years old. I went on stage for the first time. I loved the experience. And uh, after that, I, I asked my parents, well, I want to be on a stage again. So we came with the idea of going to nursing homes. So when I was, uh, when I was a kid, I, I would go to, on Sundays to all these nursing homes in my hometown. And uh, I still remember living my dream, being so happy, and remember those smiles of, of the elderly people living there. That's changing the world to me. Because in the end, what it takes, you know, it takes just your opening your heart and, and offering something uh, with love to your beloved ones and the people around you. And music is about sharing. So I think as musicians, we all have a responsibility to fulfill in this society. We have the opportunity to humanize environments, to humanize environments that otherwise would be harsh, would be hard. And uh, and music does it in a very organic way. You don't need to even to talk. You just play and let music do its job, its medicine. And um, uh, through that, uh, I've uh, created in 2007 a, a philanthropic project called the Music Without Borders Legacy. And I created it uh, in the border region of Tijuana and San Diego. Far, be, far before when you know Trump was talking about the, the wall and everything far beyond and um, and i started being on both sides of the border you know i crossed that border dozens of times and i started playing for kids uh, in different schools i played i've played for more than 45000 kids uh, since then and uh, i've learned so much i've learned that music is for all music is for kids music can change their lives and in the end what a wonderful opportunity to to deliver a message through music and that's i think um what fulfills my purpose because in the end music is based on technique music is based on 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 musicality but there is there is something else that we can achieve and that we can deliver through music which is emotions our emotional commitment with music and a message and that fulfills your purpose and when you create and you um, uh, design the whole pyramid of your creation of what music means to you then you can inspire so many people and that's wonderful i feel proud and i feel honored to have the opportunity to put a smile in a kid's face i feel so lucky i mean i was the one that was transformed transformed as much as they were and uh, that's part of who i am there there are no two parts of of pablo's uh, one the the activist and one, the professional performer. I'm just the same one. And when I'm going to Tijuana or to any school uh, in the world uh, sharing music, I'm doing it with the same purpose, the same commitment, the same message. And many, ki many kids ask me, how does it feel? How is it to, to play at Carnegie Hall? And I tell them, 
it is exactly the same as playing for you here. The only thing that changes is the wrapping paper of the gift. But it's the same thing. Because in the end, it's about music, about the instrument and the performer and the audience, which completes as witness the creation of music. So uh, yeah, that's a uh, part of who I am. And uh, I'm very proud of and very lucky to have this opportunity of doing this. And yeah, I'm uh, trying to do as much as possible to, to share music with, with everyone, everyone, uh, anyone, and everywhere and anywhere. It's incredible, this story of Music Without Borders. And I, I appreciate that reaching across that border between the US and Mexico, one of our most important neighbors. And I love the fact that before there was even talk of a wall, you just negated the possibility of one in that one little part of the world. And I appreciate that so much. And I know that you've done everything, Pablo, between playing in nursing homes and playing in Madrid stadiums with Domingo. You've experienced just about everything in this world. And I know I speak for Carol and everybody else with the Utah Symphony. We're so glad to have you back and we can't wait to see what you do next in the world. Thank you so much for being a guest today. Thank you so much, uh, Jeff, uh, Carol, uh, Robert, uh, for, you know, for being part of this uh, wonderful project uh, for the community, uh, the Utah Symphony. And uh, I, I feel also proud and honored to be, to be part uh, this week with you all and looking forward to, to many, to sharing with, with you all many, many uh, other special moments. So thank you and looking forward to, to this week's performance. Thank you. And that performance will be available on USUO On Demand. So look for that on our new streaming platform. Until then, be sure to visit utahsymphony.org and utahopera.org for information about upcoming performances live and on our streaming platforms. If you haven't yet, it would really help us if you would subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcast. This helps us to get new listeners. Until then, I'm Carol Anderson. And I'm Jeff Counts. Thanks for listening. The Ghostlight Podcast is produced and edited by Robert Bedont. The Utah Symphony Utah Opera Season sponsor is the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation. <laughs> <laughs>